bringing you all of the local motocross racing from North Carolina, Virginia, and the surrounding states. The Imperative MX Podcast. Here's another episode. And we're back and ready to rip here on the Imperative MX Podcast, episode number nine. And man, we're glad to be back for another week and another episode. We are bringing you all of the local motocross action from North Carolina, Virginia, and the surrounding states. Thank you so much for joining us this week on yet another episode. I am your host, Zach Newberry, and we would like to thank each and every person who has been uh, enjoying these first couple of episodes already, and the great positive feedback from these have uh, truly just been humbling. So if you have not yet checked out any of the past episodes, make sure to do yourself a favor and check them out uh, after this one, which is available everywhere, Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, YouTube, Pandora, Listen Notes, and uh, pretty much anywhere that you get your podcasts nowadays. So uh, make sure to go and check those out. And uh, it is fantastic to see the support from the local community in the sport of motocross. And I want to uh, personally just say thank you, the listeners. Uh, this is the first year of the Imperative MX podcast. And uh, man, it's it's awesome. We're, all, we're already on episode number nine. And uh, thank you for uh, tuning in this week for yet another episode here on the Imperative MX podcast. And we have a lot to talk about when it comes to local racing all the way to professional and everything in between. So with that, there are a good amount of talking points to chat about in this episode number nine. First, uh, to some off-road talk, uh, we will have a call in from B-Dog, Braden Fletcher. He's uh, King, uh, Kingsport, Tennessee's own, about his brand new mechanic job over at the official KTM headquarters in California for the off-road series where he'll be working with a rider through that off-road series. So uh, we're going to talk to him about working his way up to that position and uh, much more coming from B-Dog here in just a little bit. And then uh, we switch it over to some professional Supercross talk with a call-in from Muckoff FXR Club MX Supercross racer, motocross racer Garrett Marchbanks about his off-season prep heading into 2023. Uh, he unfortunately had an injury uh, about a month or two ago, so we're going to ask him how the healing process is and ask him more uh, about that and uh Pretty much more just coming from Garrett here soon, so make sure to strap in and get ready. Uh, we have uh, local motocross racing talk with upcoming racing schedules with big announcements coming from the e uh, the NCMX series, so you do not want to miss out on that, and I know I'm excited, and I know that you, the listeners, are going to be stoked about that, so you do not want to miss that uh, after the Marchbanks um, interview, so uh, we're going to answer some social media questions if we have some and so much more uh, in this jam-packed episode number nine of the Imperative MX podcast. So make sure to check us out uh, on all of our social media accounts, Instagram, Facebook, popular TikTok channel, uh, if you have not already done so. So thank you guys pretty just for supporting us on all of our social media platforms. And uh, don't forget to check out imperativemx.com when you get a chance. We will be doing updates and much more for 2023. So be on the lookout uh, for more uh, that's going to be coming to the imperativemx.com website. But before we go any further, we have to say thank you to all of the sponsors on board 
here on the Imperative MX Podcast. West Virginia Motorsports, FXR, Silver Valley MX Park, Park, Hydropower, and Dirt Industries Custom Graphics. Uh, We will get more into each of these awesome companies here in just a little bit. And remember to support the ones that support the sport, uh, just like these companies helping us out with this podcast to bring you these episodes weekly. So make sure to go and check them out and uh, be on the lookout for the reads here in just a little bit. But helping me break down all of the talking points for tonight's podcast, the highly likable, knowledgeable, can't forget about that District 29 2011 C-Class champion. And he's got a uh, little girl now. Heavy D, what's going on, buddy? Oh, dude, living the dream, you know. On daddy duty today. Yeah, all of, all about new daddy duties and uh, being a father. How how actually is that uh, and been for you, Heavy D? Oh, man, it's awesome, dude. It's, I tell you, it's like you never know. You can love something so much. And, like, honestly, I never thought I was going to be a dad. I never thought I was going to have kids. Like, I mean, <laughs> anybody who knows me or has been around me in the sport, I was a wild, I mean, I'm a wild character. So, like, you never knew, like, kids was in my future. But I love it, dude. I, you know, I got my little girl, my two stepsons. I love it, dude. It's awesome. That's awesome to hear, man. It's, uh, you know, I, I do not have any kids, so I don't know what that's like. But I got two dogs here at the house, so. I, I get a little bit of glimpse of it, but um, man, it's uh, it's awesome. Uh, another week and another episode here uh, on the Imperative MX podcast. And uh, Heavy D, we'll talk a little about a local motocross uh, racing talk. Uh, big news dropped that one of our uh, new aged local legends got an official Cobra Elite ride, Absher Hall. What you think about that, Heavy D? Oh, dude, I was stoked on that. Like, I was. It- it's funny, like, it had to come. Like, somebody should have offered him something before. I mean, he's obviously earned it. But it was it was funny, like, we had just literally was talking about that, like, the week prior to. And it, the news comes out that he got the elite ride. And I was like, man, that was, like, smart. Because I was like, on that previous episode, I was like, dude, Cobra, like, they'd be crazy not to pick that kid up. Like, and, like, I said, in a sense, I could understand, like, if they didn't, because, you know, they only go from, they only have 50s and 65s. Right. But it was, you know, it would have been crazy if they didn't do it, because, I mean, he hopped on their brand new electric bike, never even rode it, and almost won on it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, so, I mean, he was out, he was out front, and... You know all of that in 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 those races in the fifty cc races and like you said, I mean it's crazy that uh, if Cobra didn't pick him up just for the uh, for the facts that you stated, absolutely. Yeah, man, it's it's wild. Like the kids got a hundred percent God given talent, but you know you you got people who get that talent, and you know some of them don't have the work ethic, some of them don't have the mindset, the grit. But or, or the one, right? He like he has that one. Uh, it, it's and that's what it takes. Like he has that want to go get it and go win and like be up front. Like he has, like even though he don't get the ride all the time, like a lot of these other kids do. They he don't use that as an excuse. Like for them, is go out there and give a hundred percent, and it shows. You know, absolutely. And um, he for sure showed it. 
by getting this Cobra Elite ride, and uh, that entire family is awesome, and uh, it's really cool to see that, um, number one, one of the local legends that we pointed out just with our own eyes uh, is now getting, uh, you know, a shot um, coming from the North Carolina uh, area here on the East Coast, so that's uh, that's awesome uh, to uh, to hear. And then um, moving on from that, man, we have this NCMX hype. Do you know uh, about it, Heavy D, or are we gonna, or is this gonna be news news for you here in a little bit? No, this is actually I, I'll, I'll, I'm a hundred percent lost on what's going on. I'm okay. not even gonna okay. lie. Okay, okay, all right, cool. Yeah, no, we're uh, right after we talk with Braden Fletcher, who's gonna be coming up here in just a minute. Um, actually, uh, actually, it will be after the uh, March Banks interview. But you guys do not want to miss out on this. Uh, I will give a little hint. It's gonna be a track that is coming back that people Leave want. Leave it alone. Don't mess with it. So that is going to be awesome, and uh, it's going to be really, really good, and you guys do not want to miss out uh, on that. You got me now. Like, I'm curious. I'm so curious. I like In my mind, I feel like I, I think I know what it is, yeah. what I want it to be, yeah. but I, I'm pretty sure that's not it, but it's probably still another good one. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's it's uh it's gonna be good. Uh, you're gonna be uh you're gonna be excited for sure, for sure. Hold on, let, let me. Ask, is it a sand track? No. Oh, okay. No, uh, dude, I know which one you're. I know which one you're talking about. But yeah, no, that <laughs> that have been good if that would have came back. But uh, we're gonna get uh Braden Fletcher here on on the line. Uh, Dirt Industries Custom Graphics from Rayford, North Carolina. Dirt Industries for over ten years have designed, manufactured, and marketed the highest quality dirt bike graphics and decals to the motocross and consumer markets. Their high-quality decals are considered by many to be the best in the industry. If you want your graphics to look top-notch, look no further than Dirt Industries, Custom Graphics, and Heavy D, you know they got some good stuff. Oh, absolutely. Some of the best. You know, that new chrome material is off the meter. I'm telling you. If you hadn't checked it out, you definitely need to. Even their jersey ID kits, their wraps, graphics, anything from Dirt Industries, you're not going to be disappointed in. And best of all, customer service, top notch. So you definitely need to go check them out. Absolutely. And we have so much more coming from the Dirt Industries custom graphics, guys. And, uh, man, you you guys are going to ha- just have to wait and see. And if you guys want to use a 10% off code uh, of any purchase, it is Imperative MX. No space, all capitalized for motocross and off-road. And speaking of off-road, we have Braden Fletcher, B-Dog, on the line, uh, official KTM off-road mechanic now. And, Braden, how, how you been, man? Uh, it's a new gig, and it's got to be exciting. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, being with Daxa for a year was awesome. Helped me get here. Um, shortly after he went to Star, got the call from Dino to come out here and do a little bit of helping him out for some Supercross stuff with um, firepower. Then uh, one thing led to another. I guess my name got tossed around and they needed a mechanic, and here I am, California. Yeah, that's that's crazy. And actually speaking about uh, your past, me and you, uh, we we known each other going a couple of years back, going to NCMP with Mike Brown, uh, trained you a little bit, and uh, – Man, you've been in the you've been in the game. You were with Mike Brown for a while, you know, mechanicking uh, for for him, and then you got switched over to Dax, and now you're uh, with official KTM. I mean, it it seems like everything kind of moved uh, pretty fast, but it's got to be 
something really cool for yourself uh, to be able to go through all of this. Oh, yeah, for sure. Pretty surreal. I mean, like you said, it was probably three or four years ago now that we were at NCMP, and I was trying to learn how to ride a dirt bike back then, and now, you know, for sure I give a lot of credit to uh, Mike on this, you know, kind of taking me under his wing as one of his, like a son to him, kind of saw me in the industry and put me in the right place at the right time with the right people. Yeah, absolutely, and networking definitely uh, gets you there, and I know that uh, you're good with bikes, and obviously, K- you know, KTM picks you up, and that's, uh, that's awesome, and, um, you know, you had a little bit of a racing career like you were talking about and uh do you do you miss riding at all or do you get to ride uh much or what's your what's your thoughts on uh riding nowadays uh i mean while i was working for dax you know i mean we were down in florida the baker's factory so i mean i'd be at the track at seven thirty, seven o'clock in the morning sometimes earlier you know if i had to help out with the track crew or whatever but uh yeah, I mean, from going from 7 o'clock till 4.30, 5 o'clock in the afternoon, don't really want to do any more dirt bike after that and don't really have time. But, uh, I mean, for sure, when I'm on the weekends or I'm out with Dags at one of these amateur races, like a regional or something, you know, and I see people that I used to race against there, it really uh, gets the itch going again, I guess. But Yeah. Yeah, my, my first week here, actually, was the first time I've been on a dirt bike since I've started working for Dak. Um, we had a big uh, team ride there, the whole KTM off-road crew, mechanics, managers, everybody got out there and rode out here in the high desert. So, oh. yeah, that was fun. Interesting experience, but. Oh, I can only I can only imagine, uh, especially the, the, you know, the transition, and that was actually my next question. How is the... Uh, the transition, you know, from yourself, you lived in Kingsport, Tennessee, and obviously you live with Dax to be, you know, his mechanic and, and all of that. Uh, but what's the transition like uh, for, you know, moving from the East Coast to pretty much uh, the West Coast now? Um, how, how has that been for you? Well, it's been pretty good. Um, uh, been able to get uh, roomed in with people here at the beginning here um, just to that way I don't have to worry about having to find my own place right now. But the traffic out here for sure is a little bit of a pain. Uh, not really in the mornings, but trying to get home. But I know I like it out here. The weather's good. I kind of like living in more populated areas anyway. Right. Uh, I was kind of burnt out on Kingsport, I guess, ready to go see some places. And went some places with bags and got some pretty awesome things coming up here with the KTM career places will be. Yeah, absolutely, and no, that's uh, that's awesome uh, for you, uh, for you, Braden, especially for uh, you know doing the transition, and I'm sure it really is, uh, really is different uh, for you. But um, you know, one of the what is the uh, what is the rider uh, that you're actually working for, and what is the uh, what is the actual series that you you guys will be doing this season? Uh, my the kid I got, his name's Mateo Oliveira. Um, He's 20 years old, just like me. I mean, I've not really got a lot of time to uh, bond with him yet, but uh, we get along pretty good for what we've been around each other. But we'll we'll be in the – he races the um, NGPC series out here and the work series out here. He, last year, won both those series in the 250 class. So this year he's bumped from the 450 class, and we're racing his brother who's the – four-time champ 
<laughs> in those series it's in the 450 class. Wow. So it's going to be an interesting year, that's for sure. Yeah, for sure. And um, I'm sure, I mean, do you do you know the off-road series, or this is kind of just your your jump right into it, or, or do you have previous knowledge of it? Oh, no. I mean, like, I, I've watched GNCCs and stuff like that, but this West Coast off-road stuff is way different than any kind of hair scramble through the trees or stuff like that. So I have, I'm trying to learn as much as I can and watch videos and stuff of these series because I, I really don't know. I mean, I, the work series is kind of like a, it's a part of it's on a motocross track and then the rest of it's sand rollers through the desert wide open, you know, yeah. for eight miles. So it's, it's definitely, I'm trying to figure it out as I go along here as far as the race and stuff goes. So. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. And uh, uh, Heavy D, uh, anything for uh, for Braden? I don't. You guys know each other? Uh, I don't think we've met. No, I, I've seen him a good bit. Like, um, I've seen him at some races, and I've seen him around at the tracks a good bit as well. I never like, yeah. like, like met him, met him, but I, I know of him for sure. Right. Yeah. Because. Uh, you know, were you were you helping out Brownie any when he went to the Baker's factory at first? Because I know he was riding down there. Yeah, I mean, I, I was I just help him out as much as I can. You know, as a friend, um, that's kind of how I got started with Brownie. I mean, that story goes back probably four or five, probably five or six years ago now. How I got started with him, just helping him out. But yeah, for sure, like help him down there. You know, he says he's not riding and this and that, but you know. There's a couple of days he's suited up and been right there with the guys, you know. Oh, I can only. I mean, old, so. yeah, he's an alien man, and it, I mean, I mean, just when I was down, I mean, I've watched him, you know, race my entire career, and and every single time he throws his leg over a over a dirt bike, it's uh, it's gonna be good. Um, and you know, I've raced him um plenty of times too, and you can hear him coming. I mean, he's a you know, off the track, he's a he's a really nice guy. on On the track, man, he wants to win every single time, and that's that grit and determination. And uh, no, that's awesome for uh, for you to you know come up through that, and then you know network your way into you know helping Daxton, and uh, and then now uh, you know getting this official KTM ride, man. It's uh it's super awesome to see, and especially since you're you know you're a local Kingsport, Tennessee uh, guy, you know, in this uh, East Coast area. So it's it's honestly awesome to see and I'm, i know you're stoked oh yeah for sure whenever i got that phone i, I wasn't expecting to get the phone call from ktm to do this you know i was it was just caught me off guard and when I, he was like well we could you can schedule an interview no rush and i thought i literally called his secretary and scheduled the interview for 8 a.m the next morning which is when he arrived at work you know and i was sitting there waiting on him you know i was like i'm ready to go now yeah you know? That was a no-brainer opportunity. Then. Oh, absolutely, yeah. No, hands down. That's one of the best opportunities, and honestly, a a good you know start of your uh you know because you, you're on a factory team now. So uh you know when you go to these places, you're expected you know to work at you know factory teams because you have the knowledge and you're going to have the experience you know of doing uh, these races and you know the motorcycles for uh, KTM and all of that. So no, I I I know you're stoked and. Um, man, it's, it's honestly, uh, it's honestly awesome to see, um, man, heavy D, do you have any other questions for, uh, for Braden B dog here? Yeah. So I, I, are you out in like California right now? 
Yeah, yeah. I'm actually in an Uber ride on my way to the airport. I'm flying back home to, uh, for the weekend. But yeah, I live in uh, <laughs> the race shop is in uh, Marietta, California, so Southern California. Yeah. About an hour outside of LA. Yeah, yeah. When I was there, uh, I stayed in Marietta, and uh, it, it's crazy how like all that works. Like all those teams, KTM. I think KTM has like the biggest building there, but all the teams are like literally right there around each other. Yeah. Yeah. It's all, it's crazy how much motocross is in this uh, area. You know, we're actually, we're moving to a new building starting at the beginning of the year. So it's going to be a interesting transition period here. No, 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 so, t- no talks of KTM moving to the East coast, right? Uh, no, nothing. No, definitely not now after this new building. No, yeah. no, no, uh, uh, they're putting all three brands into something pretty special. So. Oh wow! Okay, so that would be definitely something for uh, the listeners and even you know ourselves to uh, to look out for. No, that's uh, that's awesome. Heavy D. So how? Um, that's probably my last one. But uh, how do you how have you you know adjusted to the different pace on the West Coast compared to here on the East Coast? As far as like living out here. Yeah! 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 Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, being down here in, uh, with Dax, you know, we were in Claremont, Florida, which is, you could be in, you're in Orlando, basically. I mean, 10 minutes to downtown Orlando, wherever you want to be. But, uh, so I was kind of used to the people, you know, in the fast pace and the, oh, pop, yeah. the densely populated area. So it's, I like it's it crazy. Um, it's crazy how, like, out there, like when I was there in 2020, it's like literally you wake up and it's like, you know, you get breakfast, go to the track. Everybody's there at like 10, 9, 10 in the morning. You know, everybody does their motos by like lunch. Like everybody's done. You go eat lunch, go back, get all your bike work done and stuff. And then it's like, dang, after that, go eat dinner. And then it's like the day's done. It goes by so yeah. fast. Yeah. And I can only imagine. Yeah, that's the way. Uh, go ahead. I was going to say I can only imagine just being at the track and you know your first time you know dealing with you know official KTM. I can only imagine just eyes wide open trying to take as much in as you can and just being and you know in all that you know you're uh, in this position. Yeah, it was crazy. I got thrown into a photo shoot week, so we were like. We were at the track, you know, doing photos. We had four different days of photo shoots, one day of a team ride day, you know, a bunch of team dinners and a bunch of this. It's uh, Kurt Caselli ride day, Apollo, and all this stuff going on that first week. It was pretty, pretty cool to see how this uh, team comes together as a family whenever uh, the racing's not going on. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's. That's crazy and uh, and awesome. Do, uh, one last question: uh, Do you have a funny Mike Brown story that you're willing to tell? Just something that was funny from Mike Brown. Oh, geez, I I can go on forever. But... <laughs> <laughs> let's go, let's keep it like PG thirteen. Oh, I mean every every, every yeah. You got to, the list goes on there for a while, but uh, <laughs> you got to give oh, the listeners dude. one good one, one good one. Oh, uh, dude! All right, so 
uh, every year previously leading up to working for Dax, we would all, um, with Alicia, I know you guys know Alicia Gogel. Yep. Um, oh, yeah, I tried to hop we, there a while back. Yeah, we would. We <laughs> all, uh, <laughs> We'd all get an Airbnb together at Loretta's, and this one year we got this Airbnb. It's like an hour north of Loretta's, you know. It's a far drive, and we get there, and it's this house built in like the 1800s, and it hasn't been updated since. But it's like a, probably a four or five thousand square foot house, and it's got, you know, we're walking through. It's got paintings of old people on the wall. It's got like it's old, so old that it's got like butler rooms and butler staircases. Like it was made to have a butler and this and that and we walk into into these rooms and stuff and there's like dresses on the counter and this and that it's just really weird and like freaked out and everybody's already freaked out walking through this house so the first night he doesn't waste a minute you know and it's got this has an intercom system through the house because it's for butlers he doesn't waste a night everybody's asleep all you hear come through the intercom is I see you. And <laughs> brownie down. <laughs> and he's down there playing. He's got. He looked up on YouTube like creepy music, and he's sitting there playing it in the background and saying stuff like "I see you" and this and that. And we couldn't find him at first, and then it turned into this big like hide and seek match at midnight. You know, got <laughs> this freaking five thousand square foot house, but he had everybody worked up right there. Yeah. Oh man, that's out of the blue. That's so funny. Yeah, I mean, he, you know, he's a kid at heart, and yeah, no, that's that is hilarious. And I, I know I have some yeah. funny Mike Brown stories, and I think everybody does. I mean, when it comes from you know him and Kiefer talking smack on the line to you know, uh, you know, trying to be haunted in an old house, you know, like what you were talking about. He's a he's a good dude, and no, that's funny. I appreciate you sharing that story, uh, Braden, yeah. and. Man, no, it's uh, it's awesome, man. And enjoy your Uber ride, enjoy your holiday, Merry Christmas, and uh, man, it's it's awesome to see. And I'm uh, I'm proud of you, Braden. It's uh, it's cool, man. And hope to uh, hope to see you in the future uh, here whenever you come back over to the East Coast. Maybe come to some local races or something like that. But B Dog, man, uh, stay good. All right, thank you, guys. Yeah, man, Thanks. no problem. All right, see you, mate. Later. All right, later. It was uh it was cool to hear from uh B Dog now with that new role at uh KTM being the off road mechanic and uh from that local Tennessee area, huh, Heavy D. <clears throat> oh yeah, absolutely. He he's uh he's a good dude. I've known him for, like I said, a couple of years now and he's always been a. Uh, he was a, uh, you know, he wasn't the best rider, you know, and you know we helped we helped him out and stuff like that. But what he could do with a bike and uh, and all of that, uh, obviously, has gotten him to where he wants to be and uh, all of that, and still gets to ride for you know for fun and uh, networking is uh, is really really big in this sport, and it's uh, it's awesome to see that uh, B Dog got this. Uh, official ktm role it's uh it's super cool and heavy d he's you know he's a local we get we gotta we gotta appreciate it you know oh gotta support the locals and you know it's, it's awesome dude uh, it, it's crazy like not only are like we, we slowly but surely getting more and more of our riders you know noticed on the east coast but we're also getting like good guys you know being on the mechanic side of it and uh getting the opportunity to go out and uh you know, wrenching the big league. So I, th- I think it's good all the way around. Absolutely. And, and and one thing that I was thinking about was where he was talking about, you know, his first couple of days, 
him being a factory mechanic for, you know, he's 20 years old, and to go to official KTM, sign that he's, you know, he's a factory mechanic for them now, and you get there and you're already doing photo shoots with some of the best off-road racers and, you know, the motocross team and all of that. I mean, that's got to be, that's got to be cool. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's it's a big eye-opener. I mean, he's young, he's getting to do his thing, he has nothing holding him back. So, I mean, he gets to, you know, not only ch- chase his dreams full-fledged, but he's also getting paid to chase his dream. Like, I mean, it don't really get no better than that. You get to get paid to do what you love. Absolutely. And uh, Mike Brown's story. I mean, just... <laughs> he's, he's a he's a fun he's, he's a funny character man he is yeah. he is a funny character and an, an an alien he's a predator man i mean dude i mean is he gonna be riding when he's 70 years old yes and he's gonna be winning probably 40 30 pluses at 70 years he, old he's gonna be that experiment from area 51 that got away <laughs> that's what mike brown is a hundred percent He's the UFO or the alien from Air 51 that's missing, and they cannot find it. And the, he's just out here riding a dirt bike. The one and solo he, dirt bike rider they thought they had yeah. locked up, but my man just got away. Hey, and they're going to catch him when he's 86 out here winning that 25-plus class. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm saying that with the utmost respect for my guy oh oh absolutely nothing nothing but fun and uh because i you know i know mike brown uh personally and i know you do as well and uh man he's, <laughs> he's, a, he's a good dude and uh no it's uh it's honestly awesome and uh you know one of the one of the things is is that man you have to no matter if you no matter what you dream of in this life whether it be a mechanic whether it be you know uh, a media company like myself or if you want to be a professional motocross racer or if you want to go you know a completely different direction baseball football something like that if you put your head down you work hard uh you'll get there 100 percent. and uh no it's uh it's super cool i i know i, I keep beating you know the same the same line over and over but it's uh it's honestly awesome for uh for b-dog and uh and all of that um man heavy d anything else uh on the uh B dog official KTM. No man, I just I mean I, I, it's awesome. I'm I'm rooting for him, you know, and I hope he uh, actually loves it out there on the West Coast and uh, you know get it done, make that money, live your dream, and hey, keep grinding, keep pushing it, keep representing the East Coast. Absolutely, and you know, I mean, you know, California. I was there in 2016, and I've been there a couple of times before. Um, like when we went to uh, Vegas and multiple places, we would swing by California and check it out. But it is a different world over there, 100%. And like he said, and like you said, motocross has its own, like, mile strip, pretty much, of everything just right there. Oh, yeah. It's that it does. It's crazy. I mean, you know, and you have one test track up here, and those people can honestly look over the fence, look down below, and there's another test, you know, another test track down there where there's guys riding at. Like it's, it's crazy. You know, high des. I mean, it's it's crazy out there. It, it's it's unreal. Like, man, like the time I was out there, I was like, this is like just straight motocross. This is what they eat, breathe, and live. Like, you go out to a track, and it's like. 300 bikes there 
and they don't even split practice in California. You literally just it's a free for all. So you go out there sixties, fifties, big bikes, they're just out there ripping. Dude, and, and on like, like a Tuesday afternoon. Oh, dude, a Tuesday afternoon. It's a like Tuesday morning. Have, <laughs> yeah, they have like a big session in the morning and then they have a big session in the afternoon. It's just like golly. I'm like, does anybody work out here? I know. I know. I I went to, uh, because when I used to work for AIM Sports, which is a digital tachometer uh, company for race cars and go-karts and all of that from 2016 to 2017, um, their California shop was in Lake Elsinore. And from there, I could walk to the moto track and watch people ride, you know? And I'm like, man, this is so crazy. Like, how do we get this to to come out to the you know? I, I mean, I guess if you go to certain parts, like obviously Florida, right? Like I'm sure there's like you know little you know 25 mile radius where there's a lot of tracks and a lot of you know scene for the moto industry and all that. But uh, man, it seems like you know over there they got it just in that one state and that in those little areas they got it they got it right. And we got to figure out how to how to make that transition. That's what I asked B Dog for if he you know if there was any talk about. KTM coming over to the East Coast because I know a lot of teams have been doing that uh, with you know Star Racing going to the Goat Farm now you know so um, didn't know if that it's, was a potential or not. You, you want to know what's funny? And not to get off subject, and we do this every week, every time. But it, it, it's like you say that, and you think how many series we have, how many tracks we have. It's like how is it not like that out here? Yeah, exactly. That's what that's what I'm saying. Like. We have a lot of tracks. We just don't have like JGR was really big in North Carolina, right? Like that helped out a lot. And oh yeah. And when Chad's track was open, that helped out a lot. Which I think we need to talk about that at some point. The Chad track, and then all of a sudden, just completely cutting it off, and like no more. <laughs> I mean, is that exactly. where we're at? Yeah. Well, that's something we definitely have to get into. Man, sure. yeah, yeah. I def- think people would enjoy hearing about it and knowing. Yeah. You think we can get Reed on here to the Imperative MX podcast? Uh, I think we possibly could. <laughs> It'd be awesome to do it. Well, maybe if he uh, if he comes back up uh, to the uh, Moto Vroom Vroom or any of the other races that uh, he does on the East Coast, and I'm there, definitely going to have to ask him if he'll uh, come on because that would be that would be super cool to talk about uh, just the just that track in general because I know a lot of North Carolina people went there. Um, on the weekends, you know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, they were open all the time. And, um, yeah, no, at some point we gotta, we gotta talk about it. And, uh, after Garrett Marchbanks, cause he's going to be coming up here in just a second episode, number nine of the imperative MX podcast. And thank you guys so much for listening, um, so far. And, uh, yeah, I'm going to have the muck off FXR club MX rider, Garrett Marchbanks, uh, coming up here in just a second. And uh, before we get into uh, Garrett's Marshbanks here, FXR from high uh, from high performance snow rider wear to motocross wear or motocross gear, FXR has you covered. The continuing growth of FXR means more selection for you. Jackets, especially that it's getting colder outside, make sure to go and uh, get some jackets, jerseys, pants, gloves, snow gear. FXR has you covered, and especially in uh, in my opinion, uh, they have the best in sizing, fitting, and ventilation uh, for motocross riding gear. So make sure to go and check out FXRRacing.com and uh, find them on social media as well. And thank you for their uh, continuing support. And speaking of FXR, on the line right now we have Muckoff FXR Club MX rider Garrett Marchbanks on the line. Garrett, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing pretty good. Just chilling. Yeah, back in uh, you're in Utah, correct? 
Yeah, I'm out here at uh, my parents' place just recovering. Yeah, no, I, I, you know, we'll get to the uh, to the injury here in just a second that you sustained a little while back. Uh, that's unfortunate, but FXR, man, you've been wearing FXR for a couple of years now with the uh, Club MX uh, uh, Yamaha team. And uh, what's uh, what's one of the best features uh, out of FXR that you love the most? Um, honestly, just the fit. You know, everything's super stretchy but fits tight. Um, I don't know, it's just super ventilated, super comfy. I know some of the sets, it doesn't even feel like, heck, you're wearing it. So, I don't know, super comfy set, uh, probably one of my favorites so far. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, me and my girlfriend, you know, drove the trip up to Redbud and, and saw you. And uh, one of the one of the things is, man, I told you even over uh, over text that uh, you were the underdog, in my opinion, coming out of the uh, the outdoor season. There was a couple races that uh, weren't so good, but a majority of the time you were right there around the you know the top ten and your 450, you know, pretty much professional start uh, in the outdoor uh, series. So how how did that actually go for you? How did you how did you feel after uh, after the Lucas Oil Pro Motocross season? Um, honestly, like I uh, I wasn't too impressed with it. Just how I rode, I had a pretty rough season, honestly. Yeah. Um, it just felt like the whole season was just so up and down, dealing with sicknesses. And then at Salt Lake, I uh, messed my shoulder up pretty good, uh, tore, my, tore the back of my labrum, and then only had one day on the bike on the 450 and then went straight to the Paula. And honestly, it was just kind of just sending it, honestly. I hate saying that, but it was just kind of seeing how I could do. And, <clears throat> yeah, I had some good races. I had uh, one good moto at Paula a couple at uh, Denver and Redbud, but um, I'd say after my, I want to say Southwick when I had my head pretty good, it just kind of went downhill and uh, got really sick at Bud's Creek and dealt with some uh, just little issues. We found out I I got COVID again at Bud's and it just kind of depleted my body. And so that was kind of why I had to pull out of the last two rounds was just due to sickness. Yeah, yeah, no, and, you know, I'm – you know, there's so, there's so many things that goes on with racing that people, you know, don't know, uh, you know, behind the scenes. And you you professional riders love to hide it and uh, and still go out there and put on performances. And, um, you know, like I said, you know, you know, we were there at Redbud and you put on a hell of a performance there with a top 10 there. And, um, you know, there was other other ones that you did. And unfortunately, uh, you're going back to the 250 for uh, not unfortunately, but you're going back to the 250 for uh, Supercross. Uh, again, and you planned on doing West, right, uh, before you got injured? Yeah, West was the – honestly, at, at first we weren't sure just because of uh, how many times I was getting sick, and I just felt like I was super far behind. And it just seemed like – I don't know. It just seemed like things weren't going right, and I felt like I wasn't 100% on the dirt bike either all, all this year. And that was kind of my goal going into it was uh, – just getting 100% if it meant, you know, taking a month off, two months off, just so when I come back, I'm, I'm 100%. Right. And I took I took the whole month off after outdoors. Um, even, I think I touched the dirt bike once, just to ride with some kids I trained. Right. And came back the best I ever felt, honestly. Um, I'd say that was the most fresh and ready to go I felt since 2020, honestly. Mm-hmm. And... I was just firing in all the cylinders. Uh, so, yeah, it's like after, I think, week one or two, the team was like, well, you're going west no matter what. So, <laughs> yeah. 
Um, I felt like I was riding good, like I said. Um, I don't like bringing up the past, but 2020 obviously was my best year. I, I had a win and a podium in Salt Lake, and right. that's when I felt like I was really gelling on the bike, and my endurance was good, and I was in great shape, and just everything was perfect. And yeah, that was that's that's how I felt until I had a little mishap in practice. <laughs> yeah, and uh, if you want to walk us through uh, for the listeners that don't know. Uh, what the injury is uh, right now that you're uh, that you're going through? Go ahead and uh, let the listeners know. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't like throwing anyone under the bus. You know, we just had a me- uh, not a mechanical, but just a technical issue. It just happens on it happens to everyone. Yep. We've seen it this off season to a couple guys, and yeah, we had the issue off the finish line. Uh, it was a pretty big double. Fell into the face of it and uh, found out I uh, dislocated my wrist and broke uh, the radius in two spots mm-hmm. and. Went to the first doctor. They didn't notice some things. Uh, he misplaced the screw, so I had to go to another surgery in uh, um, California and go get it all fixed, re uh, snap back in place, and uh, plated. So I have about a, or not even plated, but I have about a six inch long uh, plate on my hand to hold it, hold it all in. And uh, yeah, it's been a recovery so far. Just trying to do as much rehab as I can and. Uh, this thing's pretty much as stiff as a two by four. Can't really do much with it at the moment. So besides move my fingers. <laughs> yeah, no, and and that sucks too, especially when you know. And in, in in this sport, man, it sometimes it knocks you down, and uh, sometimes those knocks are hard. But maybe in this situation, like what you were talking about beforehand, is maybe you needed you know that little extra rest, even though that it does suck, and you're having to go through an injury once again, and it kind of maybe almost seems like twenty twenty two was completely awful. But maybe this is maybe you. You know, uh, uh, a good thing for you moving into 2023. Give your body a little bit more rest and uh, kind of, you know, come out firing for 2023. When uh, when do you plan on um, actually, or you know, when when are you able to get back on the bike? Um, it's unknown at the moment. Um, I mean, I'd love to be back for East Coast round one. Um, I'm not sure how possible that is. Okay. Um, I know a lot of people are hoping for me to be back, but I don't want to go back at 60, 70%. I want right. to be back at least 90 to 100. Right. Um, but yeah, no, the downtime's been the good thing as was is uh, I got a bunch of blood work done. I haven't been able to find anyone to do that mid season. So I, I don't even know how many places I want you to get blood work done and see specialists and <clears throat> find out what was wrong. Cause I, I always feel like during outdoors, like I, I feel like I'm such a grinder during the week. And a lot of people will tell you that. I just, I'm like, man, I, I don't get it. I don't feel like I'm out of shape, but when I go to the races, my body's just depleted. Like, yeah. I could race around Moto 1, but Moto 2, I'm like, I feel like everything's sucked out of me. Right. And we found out, um, basically, from the blood work showing from Paula, or not Paula, but uh, after Southwick, and then putting it all together into the offseason, I was extremely low on uh, iron. Wow. Yeah, so, that'll do it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so I was wondering why, like, when I'd ride, I was just puking in my helmet. Oh, wow. <laughs> and it was just like, yeah, like, in at Indy, I was just puking everywhere, and I, like, blew up my goggles. I was like, yeah, I'm going to pull off. I don't feel too good. And, yeah, no, I just finally found out everything, and, you know, it, it made me feel a lot better knowing that's what it was, just a simple fix. Right. And, you know, I took the supplements, did everything, and uh, I, I even started just taking iron just to see if that was it because uh, Alex Martin uh, was help, has been helping me out. And, 
Yeah, it, I definitely could tell it was helping me a lot, yeah. and to find out that's actually what it was, um, yeah, I actually feel a lot better. I'm able to train even harder now and just do more things. Yeah, no, uh, for sure. I mean, one of the things, uh, Heavy D knows a couple weeks ago, I had one of the scariest moments of my life, which I really won't get into, but it, one of the problems was I had really, really low B12 and, uh, you know, a couple of other ones that you really just don't even think about, right? Like, right. there's just some of these small things that could really do a lot of big, you know, a lot of damage and can uh, kind of hurt you going down the line. So, no, it's really good that, and I know that that's got to be for a racer, right? We know that this sport is physical. Everybody knows that. But the mental side as well, like having that in the back of your mind would not be good mo- moving forward. So having that out of the way, get get you a peace of mind, uh, will have you set straight, you know, moving forward. Yeah, no, 100%, because I know I had the issues with getting sick in uh, 21 on the first, ter- first year with the team. And then I think my second year with PC, I mean, I had Epstein-Barr, so I was like, is it Epstein bar? Did I get a cold or what? What did I get? Like, because uh, I've had pneumonia before, and you know I could barely even ride with that. So, right. a, a bunch of things were just run through my mind, and definitely mentally, I think I just wore myself out during outdoors, just wondering what the hell it was. And finally figuring it out, it definitely like calmed my head down. I was like, wow, okay, that's all it was. Yeah, all right, sweet. Let's get back to it. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, same same thing for me. You know, when I figured figured it out exactly what it was, it gave me that peace of mind. And I can completely understand uh, coming from your point and also uh, my racing background as well. And uh, uh, it's cool. Uh, Blue Crew, obviously, uh, you know the the best bike uh, all the way around uh, for you know for uh, the top uh, top athletes and uh, a lot of amateurs. Obviously, uh, nowadays I'm an RM Army guy, so uh, <laughs> we're a little different. We're just gonna kick it next to your next to your uh, next to your button. But uh, the 23, did you did you ride the 250? I didn't. We didn't get to that chance yet. We're Dang. just on the 250 still. We're actually going to get the 23s, I want to say, pretty soon, maybe the week or two after. Um, but, yeah, we're still riding on our 22s. Um, but, yeah, that's about it. Oh, okay, cool. Um, and, you know, you got Jeremy Martin that made his way uh, over the club. Uh, how, has that, how has that been? I, I know you haven't been there in, you know, in a little bit, uh, but what uh, what is it? like having Jerma, you know, obviously a champion, come over to uh, Club MX, and how much has that uh, helped uh, Club MX? Honestly, it's it's helped me a lot. Obviously, you can see with new sponsors and certain people coming over because of him, it's it's helped the team and me a lot, I feel like. Absolutely. Um, with with me, though, I, I've had some hard times dealing with guys. I think as a young kid, just not wanting to be beat was really hard for me, uh, and just um, knowing that we were going to have a guy that was my speed, if not better, um, I feel like was a big learning experience for me just because I, I have been beat a lot these past couple of years, and I just wanted to get back to that winning stage of things like I was as an amateur and back to Daytona. Right. And I know our first week together is just super cool. We were doing mo- – we didn't really do any sprints, but it was just motoing and, you know, doing technique motos. And it was funny because our coach would just be like, hey – um, do be on the pegs and this, this, and that, and just ride it 60, not 60, but probably 70, 80%. And me and him are doing our drills, but we're still hammering out at 100%. And we're just gassed after motos. It was pretty funny. And, you know, when he had passed me or I passed him, uh, we definitely like help each other, which I've never done with other guys. And, you know, if I seen something in one section, I was catching him, I would tell him, and vice versa, he could do the same for me. So, 
those first three and a half, four weeks I was back riding, we were just like getting along super well, you know, helping each other out. It just seemed like every day we were cutting times, rolling our times every day just because of little things like that. Yeah, no, absolutely, and that's uh, that's awesome. And honestly, when I saw the move, I said, "Man, this is this is going to help uh, Garrett out uh, a lot." I feel like because, like you were talking about, and no offense to other, you know, the other riders that are at club, but um, Garrett needed somebody uh, that was uh, that was a little bit ahead of him to uh, to kind of push him during the week because um, you know I'm sure I'm sure it's got to be hard, you know that. Um, you know, like I said, no offense to the other riders, but you know, you're the fastest one out there, right? And so you're just learning by yourself almost, right? But if you have Jerma in front of you and you that he's, you know, got better lines or a better technique through a section or something like that, you can learn and, you know, pace yourself off of him. So I can only imagine that that's uh, helped you just in that little bit of time. And you guys, you know, he's going to be there for, for quite a while. It seems like that's where he wants to reside for uh, for his career and, you know, kind of move from there. So, no, that's uh, that's awesome. And uh, I know you guys will get along uh, quite well, uh, you know, really well, because I know you and Troll did. So, um, no, that's awesome. Yeah, no, it's it's been great. Like I said, uh, yeah, the other guys were great. They helped me, you know, stay on my toes a little bit. But uh, definitely, there were some days where it was like, man, am I am I going fast enough? Am I doing the right stuff? And there's definitely those uh, days that you know it runs through your mind, like how fast is you know one guy's going versus others at the other test tracks. And uh, just to have him there, keep you on your toes at all times, every day through the week, um, it was definitely helpful. And he definitely said the same thing. And you know, it was definitely a bummer when I got hurt, just knowing, like, you know, I, I hope he stays on the same pace that we're, we were at. And, uh, yeah, I just I just can't wait to get back on the bike and start riding with him and uh, Phil and Enzo. Absolutely. And, and you know, I, I've been seeing the, the not the hate, I would say, but the discussion online of uh, people saying that, you know, they, this can't keep happening with uh, bikes being, you know, malfunction uh, and getting riders hurt and stuff. Dude, it's a sport. Everybody's trying to up their game, and it's not any. And it's not anybody's fault. No mechanic goes to Garrett March, you know, to your bike and says, "I'm going to mess with this so that he, you know, that he gets hurt." Or you know, Brandon Hawes or any of the guys at Club MX, they don't want that to happen. And I can't believe that people are going that uh, that far out. I know you're not uh, as uh, you know on social media as I think you know a lot of you know the other uh, people are racers, but. Uh, man, I, I think that that's crazy that people are just throwing Club MX underneath the bus for uh, what happened because we know that Jer- that Jeremy got uh, got hurt there for you know a little bit. Uh, so you know they're almost throwing them underneath the bus, and I don't think that that's uh, that's very fair. And I know that you're part of the program, obviously, and uh, you know it's nobody's fault, man. It, it happens. Yeah, you can't really blame anyone. It was it wasn't you know one person's fault or anyone's. It, it happens. It's happened. To, you know, a bunch of big teams now. Back when they were small teams, you know, it's all part of the growing process. So, yeah. I mean, nowadays our bikes are getting so fast. They're just kind of like ticking time bombs. You know, you never know what's going to happen to them. So, right, especially uh, in practice, how hard we're pushing our bikes and riding them day in day out and. uh yeah, you know, it, it is what it is. It, it sucks that happened to me and uh, Mumford and especially uh, Heartwrapped. You know, yeah. I, I feel terrible for those guys. And, uh, yeah, like I said, it happens. You know, it's just a crazy fluke. I, I hope it doesn't happen to us or any other team because you, you definitely hate seeing injuries, especially like Heartwrapped. You know, I feel bad for him, especially being super close to him. So I, yeah. I hope he gets better soon. But, um, 
yeah, it, like I said, it is what it is. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I have uh, actually one, uh, actually two more questions. Uh, 2023 Super uh, Super Motocross. What what are your thoughts uh, on it? Um, I don't like it because it bothers my hunting season. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, personally, I, I'm not a huge fan. But I mean, it is cool. You know, you you go out of the country. There's more racing. You know, it's kind of something that's all year. But, you know, all racers, I think, personally need a break. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know about the, you know, racing. I don't know what it is, 10, 11 months out of the year. You look at every other sport, they only go about five to six months out of the year. Yeah. Like football or anything like that. Um, but I think it's cool. More racing, more opportunity for us guys, you know. Maybe some of the guys that didn't podium or do as well during the season that are, you know, maybe that got injured can go race that and make their money back right i think that's what's cool about it um more purse more purse for you guys uh you know each each race so that that helps out as well yeah no definitely i I definitely think that's cool yeah i uh i just hope they they uh make the series a little better you know more organized instead of just you know we're racing all supercross all outdoors then we're just adding more stuff and then more world supercross so yeah yeah hopefully they get some figured out to where it's more organized and scheduled yeah uh if you had the opportunity would you would you go and race the uh the world supercross would you travel the world and go and race your dirt bike uh um i i think i would i wouldn't mind it um yeah it's just hard to say like i said some guys would love to do that um some guys you know like us on a team that are you know i think with me being hurt I'm um, getting some extra racing at the end of the year. I wouldn't mind it, but guys that are, say, racing all 17 rounds of outdoors, or sorry, Supercross, and then all of uh, outdoors, I think at that time of the year, they all just want that, you know, month break just to relax, re- reset the button, and go back to it. Right, yeah, because I because I know that there was a lot of uh, – that a lot of team managers did not want any more races, and then when this 31 – uh, race from 29 went to 31 to add three more races. Uh, they or you know whatever it may be. Uh, seems like the team owners were all in on it. Um, I don't know if it's just because you know they had uh, Peacock more money, all of this good stuff. But I could have sworn that for years and years and years, I heard that a lot of people wanted to take out some races. So you guys had a little bit more uh, downtime and kind of you know stop racing for a little bit to kind of save your body, kind of regenerate the batteries and all of that good stuff. So it's it's definitely weird. It's good that you guys are getting extra money and it's getting out there more. That's what we want as dirt bike fans and enthusiasts, right? Even if you know you're a professional racer, I know you're a fan of the sport. So we want to see this this sport grow and grow and elevate. But it, but man, 31 races a year, man, it's gonna it's definitely gonna be uh, definitely gonna be tough, especially for those 450 riders that do every single race and. Man, hopefully there's no injuries. Uh, you know, with so many races, that's just more prone for riders to get uh, to get injured. Unfortunately, uh, hopefully that doesn't happen. Yeah, I, I hope not. For sure. Um, and uh, one more question: Is it, uh, you know, as you were talking about earlier with uh, your local racing and or not your local racing, but your amateur racing back in the day and then coming to the pro ranks and not winning. How hard how hard actually is that? Um, I think for me, I, I don't know. Like there was a lot of kids and maybe one more, but I mean, I feel like my whole amateur career was uh, a lot of winning. You know, you, you felt like you're the Carmichael or the Stuart of, you know, 
my era of in the amateurs that's how i felt you know winning all that and then you know i want to say before i went pro i won all my amateur races and then jumped into the pros and i wasn't even close to the podium and i remember just riding out there i was like man i'm not even close to these guys these guys are crushing me and but as a rookie you can't really set your bar too high you know some guys naturally just jump into it and you know podium races some guys it takes a year or two and you know for me i i struggled my not so much my rookie year of outdoors but my rookie year of supercross i couldn't figure out the whoops um just crashes and dumb little mistakes i kept making and i kept getting hurt and uh that that definitely was super hard for me and going into year two just you know kind of just resetting the button like i said i took that off season went back home chilled out and was just like man i i just want to go all in and just do everything perfect like whatever i was doing wrong i want to fix and i remember went to the office and did everything and you know i just felt like it was back to almost my winning way you know finishing close to the podium back to you know i won daytona i was on the box in salt lake and i was just like man this is what it felt like back as a kid and this is what i love so much and then just getting hurt with the knee blow my knee out and then losing my job over there at Cowie and stuff like that. It was, it was super hard because you felt like you were never going to lose that spot, you know, just being over there for nine years. And then it was kind of like a really, it was like a reset on everything, your career and, um, just going to club and, uh, you know, rehabbing the knee and just going back into it. I was like, man, do I still have what I, you know, the speed wise, do I still have certain things? And, they go back out at Orlando that weekend, the podium, it was like, okay, you still have it. Sweet. Right. And, and um, yeah, I, I haven't gotten a podium then. I was so dang close last year. I should have. But, yeah, uh, yeah, there was plenty yeah, of opportunities no, it, where you were close. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And uh, sadly with that one, same thing. I hate excuses, but I had COVID at Oakland. Uh, that that definitely just destroyed my body for like four rounds until I would say the heat race when, when I finally felt 100% again. Yeah, yeah. And... Yeah, no, it, it it definitely is hard on someone mentally when you go from, you know, a dominant amateur to, uh, you know, not winning in the pros. And yeah. you see a lot of guys do that. And I think you just got to keep hammering away and just, you know, you, you see a lot of guys make fun of it, but just tr- trust in the process. I mean, honestly, just keep doing the stuff. If, if you're a fifth-place guy that day, you're a fifth-place. And if you're a podium guy that day, well, you go for it and you get on the box. And Absolutely. You know, that was definitely a good advice. What I remember IT, Ivan Tedesco taught me, it was, you know, if you feel like you're a podium guy that day, well, go for it. Go for that win or the, on the box, and if not, do your best to get back in that top five or fourth position. Yeah, yeah, try to try to minimize uh, all of the... Uh all of the bad things and like you know like it said you know if you don't have uh it in you then try to at least do the best that you can and try to stay there and not fall on the ground or make just dumb mistakes right or don't go for something that uh you know is going to cause you to have those mistakes uh absolutely um i have uh heavy d uh any uh did you have a question for uh garrett here yeah i I got two okay yeah garrett you still got time Oh, no, not at all. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, I have plenty of time. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. Go ahead. Um, first one, so I know, you you know, you had a lot of sicknesses and stuff going on. And, of course, everybody knows you grind this week. That's, I mean, that's just how it is. Do you feel like, how can I put that? 
but just you know it takes I feel like when you go to the race especially outdoors those two 30 minute motos take so much out of you do you feel like during the week you really couldn't tell because your recovery process because like, everybody knows like club like you guys are big on recovery after motos that day do you feel it, it may have took a toll on you because y'all can't recover primarily as good at the track as you can at the facility? Um, honestly, I feel like, um, I don't know, this is just me personally. felt like me, when we would do 2.30 on, say, Tuesday or Wednesday, because we ride twice a week, and but technically if you ride Wednesday, you only get Thursday to recover because you're flying all day Friday and your body's just worked up, right? So I think for me, when we were doing our thirds, everyone else would kind of back it down, you know, ride at 75, 80% and just kind of do their motos and, you know, go home. And me, I felt like personally I had to grind and be like, no, I got to beat my, my track record by two or three seconds. And yeah. so for me on my 230s, I would go so hard on Tuesday, Wednesday, I was just gassed. Mm. So by the time Thursday came, I was just, you know, exhausted. I still feel like I wasn't recovered. Then I was flying, and then my body's not getting hardly any recovery. And then by Saturday, your your battery on your body's probably only 50%. So after practice and your first moto, you're already at empty. Mm -hmm. So I feel like that was my fault this past year was just hammering so much on the 450 because I missed so much time from the shoulder injury. And I felt like I had to catch up when I should have just, you know, relied on my practice and my learning from the races and then just, you know, doing your motos and heading home afterwards after practice instead of, you know, hammering and hammering and hammering out. Right. Oh, right, right. I get that. I get that. Okay. Yes. Yeah, that's, that's understandable. I mean, everybody knows a lot of work gets put in and, and it's like, like, like you say, I know like you were like hella dominant in amateur ranks. Like that's, I mean, everybody knows that. So like, honestly, for me, I can see where you're coming from. Like going from, like you say, going from the amateur rank, going to the pros and wanting to keep those winning ways. And like, it's crazy how much things change from amateurs to pros. And it's like, it's so many different ways that, you know, you could figure it out or some guys have to figure it out just to go win. So for you, it's like, all right, grind, grind, grind. You know what I mean? Right. So, like, I, I get that. Like, I mean, you I mean, you, you're putting your body through a lot through the week. Like, I mean, even if you do get those two days off, like you say, you're still flying the races. Like, your body's still gassed regardless. So, and being sick does not help. So, I, I get that 100%. Yeah. Oh yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no. I was just saying. Yeah. No, I agree. It's just. It, it's just funny. I, I look back at it because you know my rookie season was. You know, it, it's just funny because I always looked at my first motos was. I always thought I could maybe get a moto win or a podium in moto one, but my moto twos were always almost better as an amateur because I wasn't riding as hard. Um, back then, I felt like, and now I'm riding just as hard. And it was, it's almost like sometimes you got to look at back, even as a kid or your rookie season, what you did and what made you a little bit better that year than it did, you know, in your older years. So that's definitely something I looked at and just like, you know, you only rode twice a week then, but you're, you're doing things totally different. So, 
Yeah. Right. Do you, I mean, so, like, when you came in, did you, like, when you first went to PC, did you, like, did your program change as far as, like, going from amateurs to pros, like, right away, or did you kind of, like, stick to that same ordeal? I kept it pretty similar, you know. I I look back at it now, I, I did everything pretty simple. Like, you know, I just draw my little hour bike rides after practice or a light core workout to where now I was, you know, even on my days off, I was hammering an hour and a half to two hour bike rides. And some people might be like, oh, that's not a lot. But sometimes, like, you know, when you're hammering four thirties or what, however many motos we're doing plus sprints, plus the heat. I mean, the heat back East, I feel like personally wears me out way more than the California heat. Oh, absolutely. And yeah. I felt like then as a kid, I mean, I was 16 when I went pro, I was so young. So I feel like I still had a lot of kid energy in me and I just felt like, I don't even know how to explain it. I just felt like, um, less was better for me instead of when I got older it felt like maybe I had to do more and almost more is worse for me than less if that makes sense right right oh yeah 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 um yeah yeah I, I, do uh do you ever get an itch like during the uh during the off season maybe f- like after uh after you take the break or whatever it may be Garrett do you do you ever think about going to any of the local races or or is uh or are you guys kind of stuck there? Because that's one of the things that we talk about here on the Imperative MX podcast is that we we want to see, you know, a Garrett Marchbanks, uh, a Jeremy Martin, uh, you know, a Daxton Bennick. You know, we want some of these guys to come out to some of these local races, kind of like what Cooper Webb did this summer. Um, you know, whenever you guys have uh, time off, do you ever think about that? Oh, for sure, all the time. I mean, probably not the... The local races, the arena crosses back east. I mean, I did those, and I feel like every time I did them, I got in a fight or some type of argument. But welcome to a dang redneck or wants to kill you out there. Like I, I like my ankles and knees. I'm good. But yeah. I don't know. I feel like the West Coast where I'm from, everyone's like, oh, okay, like big name guys here. Like they, they'll still hammer you. They'll ride aggressive, but they're not going to kill you. But uh, yeah, no, uh, definitely back here where I'm from. You know, Utah, Idaho, Wyoming area, like. I've had plenty of people hit me up to go do it, and uh, I actually thought about doing one this year. They had a pretty big purse uh, at one of the Wyoming races. But, um, you know, it's definitely one of those things in a contract that teams say, like, you know, if you get hurt at one of those, it's kind of like you have uh, repercussions about it. And uh, so a lot of guys, why they don't do it is just because they're, they're pretty nervous on those type of things, you know. Like, why why blow your career on a $900 pro purse instead of, you know, forty, fifty thousand at a big race. That's yeah. kind of how we have to look at it. Absolutely, and I mean that's that's what me and Heavy D uh, think about as well. It would just, it would be awesome just for you know the fans and the enthusiasts of the sport to to see some of you guys come out to some of the local, um, you know, North Carolina, South Carolina uh, racetracks and race just on a local weekend and um and you know do that just to come out for the fans and stuff but i completely get it from a business standpoint you know they're you know you guys are uh you know what runs you know what gets you guys uh the sponsorships and what gets you guys the uh the motorcycles and all of this good stuff so uh no it's uh hope to see hope to see that they may lighten it up over the future maybe you know just to just to show up and do a practice day or something like that you know just to get you guys kind of outside of the training facilities a little bit um i think that would be cool just for myself just being a fan of you and uh, you know other multiple riders right uh you know and fans and all that i think it would be uh i think it would be really cool but um 
man, Garrett, I, I really do appreciate you uh, you doing this and uh, come you know calling in uh, onto the Imperative MX podcast, and we had a really good uh, really good talk, and uh, you know it. Hope the injury goes well, the pr- the process and all of that, and look forward to uh, seeing you out uh, back on the bike at Club MX uh, Muck Off FXR Racing. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Have me on whenever. Uh, I think I've got a lot of time on my hands, so call whenever. <laughs> oh, cool, cool deal, man. We we may actually uh, end up doing that, but no, it's uh it's awesome, man. Uh, thank you, thank you so much, and uh, we'll be talking to you soon, bud. All right, sounds great. You guys have a great night. Happy holidays. Yep, you as well. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Uh, good. Good to hear from the Muckoff FXR Club MX rider Garrett Marchbanks. Huh, Heavy D. Oh yeah, man. It's it's always a pleasure talking to Gary. You know, I spoke to him. He probably don't remember because I mean he's always gotten like. But I spoke to him at several amateur nationals and stuff before. Yeah. So he, he's a good dude, man. He's an awesome dude. Oh, absolutely. And yeah, like I said, me and Nicole went to. Uh, Went to Redbud this year. My first time ever being to Redbud. I'm going to tell you right now. If anybody has not been to Redbud for a July 4th uh, weekend adventure uh, of pro motocross, you guys need to go. That place is unreal and awesome. And uh, Garrett put on an amazing ride there, and uh, and it's awesome, man. He he actually uh, me coming up through TikTok. He actually followed me on TikTok, and that's how we uh, kind of you know began talking and all of that good stuff. So no, it's a uh, it's awesome to see, and uh, and it was really good to hear from uh, Garrett Marchbanks, Club MX rider, and uh, man, West Virginia Motorsports. If you're looking for your next ride, look no further than my friends over at West Virginia Motorsports. If you are around the surrounding area and looking for a new or pre-owned motorcycle, dirt bike, and or ATV, make sure to stop by Pre- uh, Princeton, West Virginia, or their other location uh, to get it. Uh, don't forget to order your parts for your current bike through West Virginia Motorsports or alongside walking out the door with that brand new ride. So, uh, And always, Heavy D, don't forget those oil and air filters and don't catch them on fire. That's right. Don't, don't, don't do that. Don't do, don't do that. Don't, <laughs> he said, he don't. said don't, do, don't do that. Don't do don't. that. <laughs> and, uh, and HydroPower, we have to give a huge shout-out here. Episode number nine of the uh, Imperative MX podcast, HydroPower is formulated by a sports nutritionist to help maintain uh, and really to eliminate arm pump and increase your endurance so you can ride safer and faster. That's what me and Heavy D uh, here on the Imperative MX podcast hope for you guys is to uh, help eliminate, uh, get rid of that arm pump and increase your endurance, uh, like I said, so you can ride safer and, and faster. We said it twice, but realistically, I mean, that's what we want. We want you guys to ride safer and faster, and HydroPower will help you along the way uh, with that so make sure to go to www.drinkhydropower.com to get your blue raz today or their other flavor or anything uh, that you guys need go and look at their website super interactive and uh, we'll tell you all the nutrient uh, or the uh, nutrient facts uh, about the drink and uh, pretty much everything I mean 4.8 five star or you know uh, reviews uh, on uh, their website, so you know it's good. Uh, over three thousand reviews. I haven't checked the website honestly in uh, in a couple of days, but it was uh, over three thousand reviews. So make sure to go and check out Hydropower and uh, Heavy D. You saw what Hydropower could do to somebody. You saw it out there at Silver Valley. <laughs> yeah, it brought the animal out of you. <laughs> <laughs> it br- the vet card wasn't showing that day. <laughs> 
Okay. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> that car got tucked back in the back part of the pocket. <laughs> it that got, car it, was out the window. It got left at the uh, the Chevy, the fifteen hundred down my, in the bottom. <laughs> my guy was ready to line up for that twenty G's. Oh, oh, <laughs> man. Hey, and uh, speaking of uh, that race, uh, Rod Bell uh, ended up tearing his Achilles, and uh, super unfortunate. He's going to be out for a little bit, so uh, heal up, um, Justin Rod Bell, Bell Rod. Uh, make sure to uh, send your uh, send your condolences over, and hope to see him uh, out here soon. So, um, and the link for Hydropower uh, for a ten percent off uh, code will be in the description of this video, no matter where you find it at. So, make sure you do that. Um, man, uh, moving into the next topic uh, section uh, here, it was awesome uh, to hear from uh, Braden Fletcher, B Dog. And uh, Garrett Marchbanks, the Muckoff FXR Club MX rider, uh, already here. Episode number nine of the Imperative MX podcast. And next, we are getting into some local racing uh, schedule updates and event. And uh, Heavy D, you ready? You ready for this? I'm ready. Uh, you ready for this big news from uh, NCMX? Yeah. Actually, I got to find the sheet. So, uh, Heavy D, tell me, tell me a little bit about Silver Valley. We'll do a plug here. So, go ahead and tell me a little bit about Silver Valley. Huh. The only local national, the gnarliest track on the East Coast, to me, the most badass track in America. Um, and, dude, it's, it's sick. It's big, fast country. It deserves a national. Like, not gonna lie, like, I was sitting here, and when you asked Garrett that question about, like, the whole, like, comeback and doing a local race, I'm just sitting here trying to brew up what would be, what could we do to have a uh, pro national at Silver Valley. Like that's what I'm sitting here thinking right now. Well, I'm literally I have my daughter in my arms and I'm pacing around the kitchen <laughs> around the island thinking of fantastic ideas <laughs> right now. <laughs> trying trying to think what we could do to get this place on the map. Yes. Yeah. No, uh Silver Valley and Mex Park definitely deserve some sort of either a big amateur national race, uh AMA sanction, you know, you get a number one plate all of that good stuff from AMA, or it needs to be a pro national for sure. So if you have any subjection or suggestions, opinions, anything, let us know down in the comments section or email us at imperativemx at gmail.com. And, man, if it's good enough, we'll bring it up, and, man, we'll have a whole segment of, of conversation on it. Maybe we'll even call up some people from Silver Valley MX Park, have them in here. Let's have a discussion. Try to figure this out. We need to do something uh, for Silver Valley. But I do know that they are going to have an off-road uh, series enduro enduro series, I believe, is what I saw. Uh, for next year. Yeah, it's the national um enduro. I think it is. Yeah, yeah, national enduro. Yep. Which they're pretty. Those are like they're pretty badass. If you have never been to one, it's it's pretty damn cool, honestly. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so big news coming out of the NC MX series. Uh, the Ridge MX. All right. Scott Lawrence, Scott Lawrence, Greg Pattis, yeah. and just Justin White of the Ridge Group, along with Mike Farr and Mike Chez, uh, with NCMX, are very excited to announce their par partnership and bringing back a true North Carolina motocross icon, the Ridge MX, formerly known as Devil's Ridge, in Sanford, North Carolina, is currently undergoing a major facelift and will be open to the public for riding and racing in February of 2023, Heavy D. 
I like it. I like it. The prime, uh, the primary goal for the Ridge MX is to provide off-road motorcycle enthusiasts a top-notch facility, which will provide not only a world-class motocross track, but a reworked trail system and a peewee track for little ones. Everyone involved in this project agreed that the racetrack at the Ridge must stay true to its old-school motocross roots while being upgraded to meet the needs of today's racers. This has been a fantastic project uh, to be involved in. Uh, the riders are in for a treat when they come here and ride and race, says Mark Chez. The facility itself is going through some changes with tree and fence removal to increase spectator viewing. Rental cabins and RV hookup spots are also in the works. So more information regarding the upcoming schedule and track updates will be coming soon and can be found on the Ridges uh, or, you know, the Ridge MX uh, social media outlets. So you can look them up at facebook.com slash the Ridge MX. You can look them up on Instagram at the Ridge MX and it will be uh, on the Ridge MX dot com. So uh, Heavy D, this one hits home to me. Because Devil's Ridge was my first ever AMA event race I ever did in my life. I was on a 60, and it was 2001, maybe early 2002. So this one has got a uh, a big. Uh, I got a I got a big uh, big heart for this track, and uh, it's awesome to see there for a little bit. We really thought it was gone. We really thought that Devil's Ridge was going to be gone. It was going to turn into a home development project and all of this good stuff. But guess what? The Devil's Ridge is back. Hey, I'm actually stoked on it. Uh, I like it. I like it. It's gonna, I, I, I never thought I'd have seen it. I nev really never thought it. I, I really never did either. I really did not think that the uh, Devil's Ridge was going to be making uh, it's comeback. I really thought that we that it was over. Uh, you know, uh, Matt Burkeen, the people's champ. Um, you know he he has the you know the Devil's Ridge MX stickers. I really thought that you know that it was gone, and he you know he just had them there just for you know because I know that they helped him out throughout the uh, pro nationals this year and helping him go race and stuff. But man, every single time I saw his bike, I almost wanted to cry because the Devil's Ridge MX was gone. But now it's back. It's let, let me let, let me tell you where let me tell you where Devil's Ridge hits home to me. All right, so, go ahead. It wasn't the first place. Like it wasn't my first race, and it wasn't the first place I ever got my trophy. Like the first, the first place I ever got a trophy was Birch Creek, and I was stoked on that. Yep, Danville, Virginia but, zone. Devil's Ridge was my third race, third race ever. Yeah, it was my third race ever, and um, so like I'm out there, I'm learning, you know. And first, of course, I get waxed. Like first, I've all I got last. But I don't know why. Like leading up to Devil's Ridge, like my dad told me about it. You know, when you first get to a track, you see, and it's like, oh, dude, you're so stoked. It's like the greatest thing ever. So, dude, we get there, and I go out there hit the track, and it was like I don't know what it was. I was in D class, of course, learning. <laughs> but, dude, I was terrible. And that was like right when I learned to get good. Devil's Ridge was like, yeah. That's when I first cleared out my KX100. <laughs> I come back and that tailpipe was burning that 
damn premix hole <laughs> sitting there on the stand because I had a round tights on. That's where the, <laughs> I. That's where I learned to open it up at. So I'm oh, telling you, dude, those back straightaways, man, they're like miles long. Oh man, like they were like so long at the time. I learned to get in ruts and get out. Like I felt like a champ in D class. I didn't even get close to winning, <laughs> but I think I like got seventh or something. Yeah. So like that weekend, it was probably <laughs> like thirty kids in D class. Oh, absolutely. And, I got and like the past two, I was getting last. <laughs> so dude, that right there, oh, it was on after that. I was like, oh yeah, this this is it's, it's my time now. He said, it's my to time to shine. Yeah. Uh, you know. Uh, Ken used to run uh, Devil's Ridge for a really long time. Uh, we used to. Oh man, I'm gonna have to ask my dad this tomorrow when I go. Uh, but um, man, we used to have a nickname for him because my man was always on the move. My man was running, like running Ken or something like that. My my man would run a- around his facility. He would never be on anything. He would just run, running Ken. Um, but honestly, it's awesome to see. Like I said, I have uh, sentimental value to this track. Uh, my dad lived in uh, Sanford for multiple, multiple years. Um, you know, and it honestly, it's awesome. So now each time uh, Devil's Ridge has a race now, the Ridge MX uh, now has a race. I can go and stay with my dad and wake up and uh, go back to the breakfast spot that I used to go to uh, you know, when I was little. And we used to live in Sanford way back in the day. Um, no, it's it's awesome. I've seen so many good battles there. There used to be um, uh, areas and regional qualifiers there when I was growing up. I saw a lot of fast dudes come through uh, Devil's Ridge MX. Uh, actually, one of the riders that I was speaking about, which some of the old heads are the, probably the only ones that are going to know this name, but Mark Wagner was one of the first pro riders, which I think actually I think he was in plus classes by this point when I was growing up, 2002, 2003. But I remember watching him on a 252 stroke out of Devil's Ridge just on a practice day. I thought he was Ricky Carmichael. Like, he was so fast. I, I don't know if you know the name Mark Wagner from back in the day, but that dude oh, yeah. that dude used to haul, man. Like, yeah. holy cow, man. And I, I wouldn't, like, if he came up to me and talked to me, I would have no idea who he is because I only saw him uh, on the motorcycle. I never saw him without a helmet on or anything like that. But I just remember my dad still has VHS tapes uh, at his house from 2003 Devil's Ridge where my dad just videotaped Mark Wagner out there. Um, And uh, so, yeah, I have so many memories from there. I had a buddy that lived uh, uh, right down the street and uh, I would go to his house and then we would go to Devil's Ridge. And uh, yeah, that's that's where the roots of my motocross uh, pretty much start of my career was right there. Uh, in that Sanford area, first ever race I did was at, uh, it was a track called Thunder Valley, and it was in Silver Valley, or I'm sorry, not Silver Valley, Siler City, uh, North Carolina. Um, and that was the first ever race I went to as an outlaw series, kind of just like uh, East Bend and, you know, all of that good stuff, Kathy's Creek, all of that good stuff. And it was fun back then. Had the old KX60 and was trying to jump anything I could because that was just what, what I was going for uh, at that time. And, uh, Speaking of just local racing um, and other series that are going on, obviously the indoor series is going on. The Moonlight Series for the Lake Sugar Tree uh, is going on, so make sure to go and check out their social medias to find out when their next event is and uh, all of that. Uh, Also, um, uh, the Victory Sports uh, indoor series is going on as well. Um, 
man, we're we're just a cut like what two weeks away from Anaheim one. We're a, yeah. couple, a couple weeks away from round number two or round number three of the Arena Cross series. Uh, that will be in Oklahoma. We talked to Kyle Bitterman a couple of episodes ago. I think that was episode number seven. We talked to Kyle Bitterman. Um, so go and check that out if you have not talked about his uh, Arena Cross uh, experience so far. And uh, man, he talked about that big crash that he had the first round where he thought his his season was over. I mean, ate that shit like a champ. Oh my gosh, man, he ate those handlebars <laughs> so bad, man. Holy. <laughs> It was cool to hear uh, his perspective of when he was actually in the uh, in the air. So if you have not checked out that episode, go back to episode number seven of the Imperative MX podcast and check that out. And uh, man, uh, other than uh, some series races going on um, and uh, all of that, Heavy D, is there anything else uh, local uh, local chat? Um, we have a lot um of good things coming for 2023 that I actually heavy d i haven't even told you yet uh that i have uh in the in the plan and in the works we have uh we're gonna have some new sponsors that are gonna come on board we're gonna have some sponsors do uh we have one sponsor that's gonna be doing the local legend segment and that oh. is gonna be awesome and they're gonna do something special uh for the local legends that get mentioned so be on the lookout at the very first of the year, uh, which should be the very first or second podcast, I haven't um, still waiting for uh, everything to uh, uh, to get finalized and all of that good stuff. So uh, we'll work from there. And yeah, no, 2023 there is going to be a lot that's going to be coming from Imperative MX, and I am stoked. Local racing, professional racing, uh, even some off-road talk with some local uh, individuals of the sport. Kingsport, <coughs> Tennessee's Braden Fletcher on earlier. I mean, it's uh, it's really cool to see how far we've uh, gone just in uh, you know nine episodes here uh, on the Imperative MX podcast. And honestly, we have to say thank you to each and every single listener. Um, it's awesome, and uh, I didn't mean to go on a tangent there, but I felt really sentimental at that point. Uh, heavy yeah. D and figured that I just let the listeners know how much uh, how much we appreciate them. But getting back on topic, did you have anything else for local racing or just a comment no, on what I'm, I said? Honestly, I'm just like stoked. See, here, here's what's here's what's crazy. I'm like so stoked on the whole Devils Rich thing because it's like like I said, nothing against victory sports, but all these like tracks used to be in victory sport, sports and like mega series and ultra series you had camp coker devil's ridge pro sport birch creek like rolling hills all, yeah like <laughs> sand hills best, yeah like <laughs> the best tracks around that just made just made the series and like now it's like literally about all of those are gone it's mainly just like muddy creek huh what else? Birch Creek, some Birch Creek. Yeah, you got Lake, uh, you got Lake Sugar Tree. Creek. Um, yeah, it's like not 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 to say those aren't good tracks. Lazy like, River, all the way down in Georgia. Yeah, like they're badass tracks, but like I feel like when those tracks were on there, like man, it made the series so much better. And Heavy D, you know what? Let's talk about this, okay? <laughs> Let's talk about it. All right. I looked back today. You know, I, I I posted I posted a picture of Les Smith on the uh, on the Instagram and Facebook today because he was one of the local legends I looked up to, and uh, 
Uh, he rode for JGR in, uh, in Charlotte in 2011, had really good finishes on it, and uh, decided to throw up a picture. And honestly, when I got home, I was like, you know what? I need to do my research a little bit. So I started digging into uh, his results, and then I started thinking about the battles between him and uh, – um, Taylor Futrell and PJ Larson back in the day, right? Like those were some amazing battles. So I started going back at the AMA uh, rider search and uh, mm-hmm. started started looking at some of the older races. You know what's crazy, Heavy D, is that in 2006 to 2008, 2009, you know the damn near at every single race, either a District 29, a Victory Sports, whatever it may be, there was at least 30 pros out there. And you know what's crazy now? is that some of these series do not even have a 250A or a 450A champion because there's not enough pros. No, no, they're, they're, not at all. And so what are we doing? Dude, let me tell you. Okay, what are we, so what are we, first, what are we doing? When I first started racing, I, I got into it at like 06. My first race was 07. My, I went to a track called Daniels Ridge. Yep, yep. I crashed, you know, crashed and burned. I didn't race. Okay. But I went to Camp Coker like a month later for the first round of the Ultra Series. And, dude, it was – I thought it was – I'd have thought it was a national with so many people at Camp Coker. Was that the Was that the one where you met Kevin? Yep, yep. Yeah, just full, full stack. Dude, when, dude, when I'm was, saying like when I was growing up, Heavy D, like – Dude, you could go to any track, anywhere. And I'm not just speaking for a – well, actually, I am because this this is a, a talk. I was going to try and get myself out, but it ain't going to happen. There's, <laughs> there's, no, there's no incentive to get these pro riders to come and do the series, which could help these series bring in more riders and more spectators because they're doing something. And I'm not talking to one particular – um, you know, series or trying to blow them out or anything like that. I'm just trying to help, trying to mm-hmm. um, trying to help bring in more money for the series, more money for the track, the track promoters, the flaggers, the you know, it, the office people, whoever the case may be. We want this sport to grow, and I think one of the main key, like like we have the kid thing down pat. We have the 50 cc to the two or to the let's say schoolboy two. Right? right, we have that covered, but it seems like the A class, the big top dogs that you would think that you would want to come out there to race. Like there's sometimes, man, where I'll go to a District 13 or uh, or wherever, right? And there's only two or three of us on the gate, and it's like, man, what what happened, dude? Yes. I'm gonna let you take the floor here. I'm gonna I'm gonna let you take the floor and and let you and let you uh, let you explain your opinion here. Man, first of all, let me go back to uh, like I was saying. It was so many people there. Also, it was it was probably a lot of incentive too going on, like for, for them to come out. But it, but it was like all those tracks. And I don't know exactly what happened. I have a theory in my mind what happened. Because, in a sense, it all revolves around money. And, you know, for these tracks, like, if you don't really have a following, it don't really make sense for them to have a race because they can't, like, put the bill and really afford to take a loss 
and keep the gates open. So they do stuff like they'll lease it out for the weekend to somebody like Victory Sports and let them do their deal. And therefore, they make money with no really risk risk factor to it. Right. And in a sense, those tracks slowly, like they slowly faded away. Like Sand Hill faded away. Camp Coco went away in a blink. Like literally that same year. Like in 07, they yeah. had like two races. I remember they had two races on the schedule that year. It gone. was like at the beginning of the season and then in the winter part. And then after that, they were gone. Yeah. So it went away. Now Pro Sport went away. Yeah. yeah. Pro Sport is gone, man. I'm still yeah. upset. I'm still upset about that. I, I really am. And no offense, but all I got from Jan was no twice. I asked her, I said, uh, the first time I asked her, I, I said, is Pro Sport, uh, is... Uh, you know, is there a potential that pro sport would get would get thrown in there? She said no, and I said okay. I said, well, is there anything that anybody can do to uh, you know get it there? It's a very sentimental track to myself and a lot of people. Like I have a lot of a lot of my best friends are from that Withville Hills Hillsville um, Fancy Gap Mountain area, right? Like, and they love to go to pro sport because that's the one time that they get to kind of see me. And I get to stay with one of my buddies there and hang out with his parents. It's just a sentimental track. My family is from Bland County, which is just right over the mountain. So, like, what can, you know, man, it just sucks. It sucks. I can't I can't do anything else. But all I got was just nose. So, something's going on there between between the, the track or between, I guess, the track owner, Tam, uh, that owns Mark IV. Uh, Either that or the leasing, because he leases that uh, or that track is leased to him or from him. I'm not sure the exact logistics, but that's not actually his land, at least to my prior knowledge. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I something needs to happen because that's such a sentimental race to me. Yeah, that and okay, so you think about this too. That like Devil's Ridge went away. It, it, I think it was sold for land development, house development. Anyway, it didn't work and it came back. I'm stoked on that. Yes. Me too. But the reason I'm high on NCMX is because they they got that tra- NCMP still around. They got Devil's Ridge. And did Devil's Ridge do for the North Carolina State Championship? That was the most A-riders you would see all year at a track. Oh, absolutely. That place was packed. And it was like it was it was like the backyard nationals. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, you're right. You're <laughs> right. Like a backyard nationals, so like that went away, and I was like, "Dang!" So, of course, state championship went to two twenty one this past year. It was it was good. It was sick. Like I mean, it turned out for the circumstances of how it ran, it turned out good. I, I don't think it's back there this year. I think it's an NCMP or somewhere now. Right. I think they got it. But the the thing is, it's like I feel like. In order for these tracks to come back and get those guys back to them, like even the arenas like the ag centers, like ag center stuff, right? Look, three pros, dude. Come on, yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like it's like none of the top pros want to want to come out, and it's like, dude, I used to have Larry Ward come out to races when I was younger, like, dude. I mean, you know, you had Taylor Futrell and PJ Larson and Les Smith and Ian Treadle and Jacob Hayes and all of these dudes would show up every single 
weekend, no matter what. In the in the okay, so if we want to talk money about bringing these guys in, right? Because that's what they're going to come for. They're going to come for money, right? It's always yeah. been a two hundred percent pro payback. <laughs> it, it was never like they did a ten thousand dollar every single weekend. It was always two hundred percent pro payback. Well, for ag to win the night, the main event that night, it was eight hundred bucks. Like to win. So, like, somebody like Bitterman, like, I remember he went there, I watched him win both nights. Oh, dude. And he won, like, 3200 bucks. Oh, yeah. Ryan Smith used to do that shit all the time. And it worked. the reason those guys, it was because for them, they wasn't making a crazy amount of money, but it was, like, it was, it was worth it to them to go make that bit of extra money. It was like a second job living almost. Right. It's like a part-time job. Yeah. Yeah. So it was worth it. And like that got snatched away. So, and I, I'm saying, and this is my opinion, and I don't want nobody to think I'm trying to be biased because I'm not. I, I'd give my honest opinion. And I'm not downing anybody. I'm not talking shit on anybody. In order for that to come back, it's, it cannot go through victory sports. Somebody else with a different mindset and, is, and can see, like, all right, we can get these guys in here. And everybody else will show up. It's got to go through somebody else. I mean, That's, other other than other than money, there's really no other incentive, right, for these pro riders to come out to these races, right? No, I mean, not unless you just you get like Matt and you go there for the fun of it and you make these like funny ass compilation videos. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's about it. Yeah, but I just, man, I just, I would love to see thirty pros back. Um. I mean, maybe maybe it's because the sport is is fading. I mean, we think it's good right now, but maybe just everything had faded, and you know, now those guys that are at the top, like um, like um, you know, like for example, like a Luke Neese or um, you know, somebody somebody like that, right? Like where they're kind of stationed down at club, so they just mm-hmm. they just kind of stay there and ride. Like no offense to them, right? But man, like. I just felt like every single every you know, just going back to the old days of what we like, like we can you know talk about the whole two stroke you know conversation with it too. But it's like man, like back in the day, man, there was so many pros every single weekend, no matter where you go. And I see these banquets for District Thirteen, East Bend. Um, you know, I don't even. I I think I even saw on the NCMX uh, thing. I could be wrong. Um, so Mike, sorry if I am wrong, but I don't think I saw a 250A or a 450A champion on there. Well, here's the thing too. Also, and I'm, I, I forgot about this. I'm leaving this out. Okay. At that time, contingency was insane. That is true. That is true. Yeah, but well, yeah. I mean, Yamaha. The reason that I, I mean, one of the reasons we talked about it on the first episode of why I went to Suzuki was because the con- contingency was is so good with Suzuki. It's one hundred and fifty dollars a win compared to seventy five dollars that you would get for a win on a Yamaha. Like at the time, and I, I'm, I'm almost positive. Like I want, I would love to get him on here so he can confirm this. Jacob Hayes. Yeah, we I'm, we have I'm, to. Get, he's I'm, a local legend. We're we're gonna we're gonna get him on at some point. I'm, I'm, I, and he would tell you, I'm almost positive on this. When he was on Team Green, um, back before, I think it was like God, what years? He was still amateur. I can't remember. I want to say it was 2010, 2009, 2009, 2010. 
he went he was in B class. It was two thousand nine he was in B class. Yeah. Two thousand ten he went yep. A. I remember. But two thousand nine, he raced every like ultra mega and he ran like five or six classes. He was running two fifty B, four fifty B, schoolboy two, uh college boy or or four stroke one. I can't remember. Yeah, it was like four four stroke amateur or something. And each one paid like four hundred bucks. Oh yeah. Walk out with a it was stack. Like four, four or five hundred bucks and he was doing that because he was like the support system at the time. Like I could be wrong, uh, but I'm almost positive but they was doing that because I remember we was all riding it. Our buddy Michael Mitchell one day. Michael yeah. was like, Take him out of that four stroke class. His mom was like, No, that's like four hundred bucks. Hell no, we ain't doing that. <laughs> I was like, My guy is making a check every weekend, like literally. Oh, absolutely. And I I mean, yeah, it was probably different back then. Um yeah, for that, but that's just one of the things I had to mention because um, you know, I started looking at some of these banquets and stuff and I remember, you know, District twenty nine, uh, back in the day when I was uh when I was young, I mean I remember there used to be, you know, five pros that would come to the banquet every single year, you know, to get their trophies, get their, you know, medals and, uh, you know, get free product and stuff like that. And it's just, it's sad to see that it doesn't happen uh, anymore. And uh, if anybody has any suggestions, opinions, anything uh, on it, leave the leave a comment down in the comment section below or email us, imperativemx at gmail.com. And if any track owner, promoter, uh, anybody wants to get their race uh, event, track out there uh let us know imperativemx at gmail.com and uh let us know what you want us to uh to get out there for you and we will do it so make sure to uh email us imperativemx at gmail.com and uh man we're uh towards the end of uh this episode and what a phenomenal episode number nine here on the imperative mx podcast um we, we we talked some off road talk with uh, local uh, King uh, Kingsport Tennessee's own Braden Fletcher B Dog about his new gig at KTM uh, the switch to off road from motocross and uh, much more uh, funny story from Mike uh, Mike Brown oh man that was that was good earlier from uh, from B Dog and then we switched it to uh, some professional Supercross motocross Super motocross uh, talk with Muckoff FXR Club MX rider. Uh, Garrett Marchbanks about his uh, off season, taking a little bit of time. We talked about his outdoor season. We talked about local racing. Man, we talked a lot about uh, about just everything with uh, with Garrett Marchbanks, and we want to thank him for uh, coming on board. And uh, man, we'll have to get him uh, later on down the road as well. And then we had some big news about the Ridge MX. Devil's Ridge is making its comeback for the NC MX series, which is going to be awesome. We talked a little bit about some other. Uh, schedules and uh, updates along with uh, maybe our little rant of the night uh, with the uh, 250A and 450A uh, at some of these races but man we're just we're just trying to help the sport we want it to grow we want everybody to have fun we want some of these big top names to come out uh, we talked a little bit about that with Garrett and we completely understand from a business uh, point of view but man from a fan perspective we would love to see these guys come out so Maybe if we dog it enough, maybe uh, maybe we'll get some riders to come out to the Silver Valley uh, local national. Maybe we can uh, get some guys out there. But um, man, it was a good episode number nine, uh, jam packed here. Heavy D. Oh yeah, man! It's, it was awesome. I love it. I look forward to it every week. And you know, it's like it's always some talking points that we get on, 
and they're like awesome subjects, dude. And it's points that like really need to be talked about and and brought up, you know. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, kind of get people to to think about what uh, what what we could do for the sport and to grow it for this local uh, North Carolina, Virginia, South Carolina, uh, Tennessee area. Um, realistically, and like we said, if you have any suggestions, any opinions, facts, whatever it may be, email us imperativemx at gmail dot com, and uh, we have to say uh, uh, thank you to all of the companies who make this podcast possible. West Virginia Motorsports, FXR, Dirt Industries Custom Graphics, Silver Valley MX Park, and uh, Hydropower. West Virginia Motorsports, if you need anything for your current ride, uh, you know, if you need a new ride of any sort, make sure to go and check out West Virginia Motorsports, FXR. Garrett uh, said it best. Best in sizing, finning, and ventilation, just like I've been saying. And, uh, you know, uh, two professional athletes, Kyle Bitterman and Garrett Marchbank, speak highly on uh, FXR for those three key topics right there for motocross gear. So make sure to check out FXRRacing.com or check them out on their social media accounts. Dirt Industries, Custom Graphics, Heavy D. Hey, best in the business, best customer support, and the best custom graphics around. Go check them out. Absolutely. Dirt Industries, Custom Graphics. Uh, actually, I think it's dirtindustriesgraphics.com, or you can find them on uh, on social media, and it's just uh, at Dirt Industries uh, for, or no. Is that what it is, Heavy D? Help me out here. On um, Instagram? Yes. You can, um, it's two of them. is Dirt Industries, and then you got DI Raps. Okay, yep. So dirt in, at Dirt Industries or uh, DI Raps. Uh, on Instagram, uh, Silver Valley MX Park, the local national, something needs to happen there. Uh, we'll, we'll dirt IDs. I'm sorry, dirt IDs. Dirt IDs. Um, so then Silver Valley MX Park, we know it. The local national, gnarly as hell, rough as shit, great track, needs to be on the circuit, 100. percent And uh, then Hydropower, you know, uh, Heavy D knows what it does to me, and uh, I can only know what it could do for you, uh, the listeners. So make sure to go to uh, drinkhydropower.com and uh, get you some blue rads today. That stuff tastes amazing. I got it right here, right next to me. And uh, man, but thank you for listening uh, to this week's episode number nine of the Imperative MX podcast. Make sure to follow us on YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, Apple, Spotify, and more uh, when you get the chance. from myself, Zach Newberry, co-host Chevy D. We hope you guys have a merry, merry Christmas. Happy holidays. And uh, we will see you next week.